This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. $23 billion. That's how much money we've all spent watching the Marvel movies. From Iron Man to Black Panther to the Avengers, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the highest grossing film franchise of all time. It includes 25 movies with 13 more being worked on. And basically every Marvel movie that comes out is a blockbuster. Why can't we get enough Marvel? We love a hero, especially a superhero. Humans have always loved heroes. Today it's Marvel. 40 years ago, it was Superman. 100 years ago, Zorro. 500 years ago, Robin was the hero of the day, Robin Hood. Even the ancient world had heroes like Hercules, the son of Zeus, outrageously strong, brilliant, powerful, courageous, Hercules had a series of adventures where he would conquer enemies and complete quests. He was what was known in ancient Greek mythology as a champion, what we would think of today as a superhero. So why do we love champions, heroes? Because heroes conquer what humans can't. Whether it's Hercules or Shang-Chi, the newest Marvel character, Heroes conquer what humans can't. Our series, Greater Than, continues today with a hero who conquers what none of us can. So turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Probably the easiest way to find Hebrews is to just go to the back of your Bible. Revelations there, turn left, go past 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st and 2nd Peter. When you come to the book of James, you're almost there, and find your way to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to cover all of chapter 2 today. It's a lot of ground to cover, and we're going to start right in the middle at verse 10. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 says, For it was fitting that he, this is speaking of God, the Father, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, and this is where I want to focus, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Who's the founder of our salvation? Of course, it's Jesus. And our word founder in English is the same word the Greeks used for champion, hero. It's more than likely that a hero like Hercules would have come to mind when the readers of this first century letter would have received it and read it and gotten to verse 10 of chapter 2. William Lane, who's written an extensive commentary on the book of Hebrews, says this about this verse. The designation of Jesus as champion, which is the Greek word archagos, suggests that the writer intended to present Jesus to his hearers in language that drew freely upon the Hercules tradition in popular Greek culture. Today, as we study Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to see Jesus as our hero who conquers what we can't. How does he do it? Well, like all heroes, Jesus fights what frightens us, defeats what would otherwise destroy us, 
And in the end, he always gets what's glorious. So first, he fights what frightens us. The greatest heroes, I think, maybe are great because they fight great villains. Skywalker has Vader. Aslan has Jadis, the White Witch. Captain America fights the Red Skull, Batman, and Joker. All of these villains are meant to be frightening to us. And our favorite heroes always have the courage to fight them. So what frightens humans more than anything else? Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Our hero Jesus delivered all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The fear of death has frightened human beings from the beginning. In the ancient world, many estimate that life expectancy would have been somewhere around 35 years. Even with a high infant mortality rate, if someone were to make it to 15 years old, they could hardly expect to live much longer than 40 or 41 years old. Death was a much more present reality 2,000 years ago than it even is today in our world. And people in the ancient world lived in fear of it. Even with all of our modern day medical advancements and scientific discovery that's led to a greater understanding of human health than longer life expectancy today than ever before, we all face death. And even though it might not be as top of mind for us as it has been in other times in human history, it certainly has been top of mind this past year. We shut down the global economy because of fear of death from COVID. Now, I'm not saying that was a bad decision. I'm just trying to make the point that it is an incredible emotion, the fear of death, so much so that we would make extraordinary decisions, decisions on a global scale, and even extraordinary decisions on an individual one. You've heard stories of people who are cryogenically frozen after death. They hope that someday science will catch up and they'll just wake up from a long sleep. People live in fear of death and they go to all sorts of incredible lengths to avoid it. Living in fear of death leads to all sorts of entanglements and problems in life. Verse 15 says that those who live in fear of death are subject to a lifelong slavery enslavement because they fear death. How do humans become enslaved because of their fear of death? I think one way is through religion. They look to appease God through a series of rituals or traditions or self-denial, hoping that a life that's relatively good will ultimately appease God. And it will ease their anxiety that they live with on a daily basis as they fear death and what it means for them when they reach it. Some people don't choose religion. They just choose to live a selfish life, a self-centered one, one that's all about their own personal pleasure and joy, a hedonistic lifestyle. Experience as much pleasure and comfort as possible in this life. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we might die. So I might as well live it up today. And they live life in that way to ease the pain that they live with because they are in bondage 
to a fear of death. We've heard the tragic stories of people who have lived a life of indulgence and at some point realize it's just not worth it anymore and they end their life. Others make a beautiful turn in repentance toward Jesus and find ultimate true life in him and do away with this self-serving life or a life of religion trying to appease God. So whether it's religious ritual or self-satisfaction, both types of living are enslaved by a fear of death. But those of us who know Jesus who trust in Jesus for salvation, we no longer live in fear of death. Why? Look at what verse 9 says in Hebrews 2. But we see him who for a little while was made a little lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Jesus fought what frightens us most in death, and he conquered it. And he conquered it by experiencing it, by tasting death for everyone. By the grace of God, Jesus died so that we might live and no longer fear death. And when he did it, when he conquered death, he defeated what would otherwise devour us. Now, some of our favorite superheroes don't just fight villains that are a little frightening. Sometimes they fight terrifying forces that seek to destroy life, to devour people. Like Luke Skywalker facing the planet-killing Death Star. Harry Potter versus the murderous Dark Lord Voldemort or the fellowship of the ring fighting against the dark forces of Sauron. They all want to destroy life, powerful forces seeking to devour it. And our hero, Jesus, defeats an enemy that seeks to do that to us, according to verse 14, which says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power over death, that is, the devil. This is why 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's what the devil does. Seeks to devour, to kill. He's a liar and a murderer. And only Jesus could destroy the one who has the power of death. Now, we might say, well, the devil hasn't been totally destroyed. He's still prowling around like a lion seeking to destroy. The devil has not been totally destroyed. The devil is limited in his capacity, limited in his power and authority, ultimately because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Because Jesus died and was raised again by the power of God, the devil is in some ways chained, held back in his power, and one day will be completely vanquished by the Lord Jesus. And it all began with his death, a death that destroyed the work of the devil. Back in verse 14 in Hebrews 2, it says that the reason why that could occur, why Jesus was able through his death to destroy the works of the devil, is that because 
is, is because he partook of the same things as you and I, as the children of flesh and blood. Jesus became human so that he could live life like a human, to die a death like a human, to ultimately destroy the one who has the power of death over humans. Can you imagine that the Son of God, Jesus, who last time we were in Hebrews chapter 1, was seen as greater than angels? That the Son of God, Jesus, greater than angels, left the glory and splendor of heaven, where the angels never stop singing his praise, and for a little while was made lower than the angels. And then he, the King of kings, the creator of everything, fully God, became fully human. Not just kind of human, but completely and totally human. Born as a baby in all of its messiness. And then was totally dependent as a young baby on his mother Mary. The one who the Apostle Paul called the eternal word of God was for a time unable to speak. Unable to feed himself. The one who created the earth was unable to walk. All of the limitations of childhood, the the king of kings had to obey his socially insignificant earthly parents. He experienced all the awkwardness of adolescence and then the sorrow and scorn and rejection that he experienced as a man, which ultimately led to his suffering a humiliating death on the cross as if he was a common criminal. Why did he have to do all of that? Well, verse 17 of Hebrews 2 says, He had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation is a big word, which means to turn away the wrath of God from sinful people, Onto the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus. That's why Jesus had to die. Sin must be dealt with. Its penalty is death, not just physical death, but a spiritual death. Eternal separation, conscious punishment away from the presence of God. Because our God is holy so holy that he cannot tolerate sin. That's that's why his wrath is poured out upon it, because his wrath is his divine displeasure with sin, his inability for it to even be in his presence because of his holiness and his goodness, because of who he is as God Almighty. And the wrath of God was turned away from me and from you, a sinful person, on to the perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, his Son. Because God desires that no one would perish. So by his grace, he sends his Son to save us. Jesus defeated what wants to devour us in the devil and through death destroyed the devil's power. And then what happened? Back to verse 9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. Just like a victorious hero, Jesus gets what is glorious. 
He is crowned with glory and honor and praise and adulation because he died. Because he died a suffering death for you and for me, for the sins of the world. Because he suffered death, he gets all the glory. He is crowned with glory and honor. You know what many heroes do after they're victorious? They retreat back to their special place to be alone. Most superheroes are loners. Super, Superman has the fortress of solitude. Batman goes back to the Batcave. Iron Man has his mansion where he can be all by himself. But not Jesus. Jesus wants to share the glory and honor that he received because of what he accomplished on the cross with you. Can you believe that? Look at what it says in verse 10. Back to the verse we began with. It says, For it was fitting that God the Father, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. God the Father, through Jesus, brings you to glory. If you believe in him, one day you will be glorified, just like Jesus is. Glorified in your body and surrounded by the splendor and glory of heaven forever. Jesus doesn't keep the glory that he experiences just for himself, but he shares it with us. Verse 11 says that he is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus, the king of all kings, the creator of everything, God himself would call you his sister. His brother would embrace you as a member of his family and share his glory with you. There's no other savior like Jesus. He loves you. So do you love a hero like humans have for 2,000 plus years? There's no hero like Jesus. No savior like the son of God. No one else has fought what frightens us most in death and conquered it. No one else has defeated what wants to devour us in the devil and destroyed it. No one else has gotten what's glorious and shared it with us. What a great salvation. Let's not neglect it. Let's not turn away from it. Let us, as verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 2 says, pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We're all prone to drift. That word drift is like the picture of a boat that's lost its anchor and just slowly drifts into the wrong harbor. Most of us don't wake up one day on fire for Jesus and the next just completely turn away and live a life of sin. But many of us are prone to drift, prone to drift from our great savior, our hero, our champion, Jesus, by the temptations of the world or the problems that we face or the challenges that we experience. And the author of Hebrews wanted his audience and us today to not neglect the great salvation that's found in Jesus Christ and to not drift away from it. If we can help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, we'd love to do that. We hope you'll reach out and let us know how we might be able to help you not drift away from the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our faithful and merciful high priest, the one who conquered what we could never conquer, death, the one who died so that we might live, the one who, because of his death, we no longer have to live enslaved to fear of death, but can expectantly look forward to a day where we will be with you, glorified along with you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are watching Calvary Online with us today. I pray that their hearts would be filled with joy because of the love of God that was gifted to them through the Son, Jesus Christ. I pray for any friend who's watching who may not yet know Jesus. Father, would you do your work in their heart to raise them from the dead as you raised Jesus Christ so that they might no longer live in fear, but live in hope and expectancy of one day seeing Jesus Christ in all of his glory. To him be praise and honor, we pray. Amen.